Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to part two of our Heroes series. We're outside Forge HQ this morning, uh, but we all have a favorite superhero, don't we? People with brilliant powers who use it for good, for putting the world back together. But heroes really aren't a new invention. They've been around for literally thousands of years. In fact, if you were to go back a couple of thousand years and you lived in a particular part of the Middle East, you might have a document, perhaps not a comic book, but a document which would have a list of heroes uh, from previous centuries that you would look back on that would help you decide the way that you were going to live in that day. And there was a document exactly like that, a document that we've been going through, a document called the Book of Hebrews. We don't really know who wrote it. There would have been a list of people of which you would have looked back on with just brilliant admiration. And it was written for a predominantly Jewish audience who had converted into this belief in this man called Jesus who had recently died and rose again. And it was written to show them that these faith heroes weren't in contradiction to their faith, but actually complemented it. In fact, this was going to be an extension of the faith that they previously had. And so last week we looked at this first hero, Abraham. And now if Abraham was a superhero, he would have absolutely been Captain America. He was the first in a long line of heroes. uh, And he had this great character and integrity before he had any power. In fact, this is what we said about Abraham. Abraham uh, was someone who partnered with God in putting a broken world back together through a radically hospitable and inclusive character. And so today we're going to be looking at somebody different. We're going to be looking at Joseph. And now if Joseph was a superhero that we would relate to, I think it would definitely be Spider-Man. He was a young teenage guy who perhaps wasn't particularly popular with his peers, uh, who just had this audacious character. Uh, And yet one of the perhaps most famous Spider-Man quotes from the films uh, would have definitely resonated in Joseph's life as well. And that really what we're going to find out that in Joseph's life, within all of this, in uh, with all of his identity with all of the power that he was eventually going to hold he was going to find this that with great power comes great responsibility with great power comes great responsibility that in Joseph's life when he had all of the power and when he had none of the power with Joseph's life when he was going to be someone who was going to be wrestling with his identity he had to decide what was he going to do with his responsibility Joseph's life is fantastic. It's a story that's been told literally uh, millions of times in hundreds of different ways, whether it's movie producers or uh, book publishers, primary school teachers or musical writers. The story of Joseph has uh, captivated the imaginations of people for literally centuries, thousands and thousands of years, in fact. The story of Joseph we love because it's the story of an underdog who would eventually go on to achieve these great heights. It's a story of deception. It's a story of justice and injustice. It's a story of escape. It's a story of someone who was once found themselves in a prison who would eventually find their way out. It's a story of dreams. And so if you happen not to be familiar with the story of Joseph, really want to encourage you to go back to the beginning of the service and maybe just listen through the recap of the story of Joseph we gave at the start. But there's loads of stuff and stories out there, uh, including, of course, the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical that will give you an idea of the story of Joseph. 
But here's the fascinating thing about the story of Joseph. When it comes to the story of Joseph, we very, very rarely tell the end of the story. And you might think that's a bit odd and you might think, where am I going with this? But really, we never tell the end of the story. And the book of Hebrews that I was talking about shows us this. I mean, when it comes to this list of heroes, each of these heroes has a paragraph written about them. And it begs the question, if there was going to be one thing that was written about the story of Joseph, what was it going to be? I mean, surely it would be the dreams, right? And if it wasn't going to be the dreams, then maybe it was going to be his integrity that he showed at Potiphar's house when Potiphar's wife tried to get him into bed and he escaped. Or maybe it was going to be when he was in prison and he helped the winemaker uh, or the baker. Or maybe it was going to be when he appeared in front of Pharaoh and he interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. And when he was in front of Pharaoh, he showed this immense wisdom that was going to save the land of Egypt from complete desolation because of a coming drought. But none of those things is what Hebrews talks about. When it comes to Hebrews, when it talks about this amazing man of faith, this is what it says about Joseph and his father, Jacob. It was by faith that Jacob, who was Joseph's father, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. And it was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It begs the question out of all of the things that Joseph could be remembered for, all of his dreams, all of the moments of Potiphar's house in the prison and then in the courts of Pharaoh, why is it that the author decides to focus on where Joseph and his father Jacob want their bones to be buried? I mean, it's weird but not particularly made up. When you look back in the story of Genesis, one of the oldest books that we have in the Bible, in fact, one of the oldest books we have in the world, it has an account of where Joseph asks for his bones to be buried. I mean, this is what it says. When the time drew near for Jacob, who was Joseph's father, to die, he called for his son Joseph and said to him, if I found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh, which was this weird ritual of making promises, and promise that you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt, but when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried, which was a land called Canaan, north, about 350 miles as the crow flies towards Israel. I will do as you say, he said, which was Joseph. Swear to me, Jacob said. Then Joseph swore to him and Israel, who was Jacob, worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Why on earth is there this big deal about where they were going to be burying their bones? I mean, a little bit later on, Joseph has a very similar conversation with his brothers about where his bones are going to be buried. It's weird. Why is this going to be the thing that makes Joseph our superhero? Well, to answer that question, I want to ask you a question that maybe you've never considered about the story of Joseph before. After Jacob sends his son Joseph out to the fields to see his brothers and his brothers tackle him down and throw him in a pit before eventually selling him onto the slave trade. And then as he gets sent off to Potiphar's house and then he works in Potiphar's house for all of those years before being falsely accused of attempted rape by Potiphar's wife. And so he's thrown into a prison. And then after interpreting the dreams for the baker and the wine, uh, uh, the wine server before eventually being pulled out to see Pharaoh and interpreting Pharaoh's dreams. 
And then Joseph is eventually honoured with the second highest uh, honour of all, of all of Egypt, being the most sec second most powerful man of all of Egypt. Why is it that when he is that powerful, when he has that much freedom, does he never go back to see his father Jacob? I mean, it's an odd question. Maybe you've never even thought of asking it, but he's in this position for 10 years and yet he never goes back to see his father, Jacob. I mean, it's weird, but there's a couple of different options to why. I mean, first of all, he could just think, my father sent me out to my brothers. He was part of it. He wanted me dead. He never wanted me at all. In fact, he was part of the plan to try and kill me. Or maybe he just thought that his father never came looking for him. All of that time in a, a prison pit or in slavery to Potiphar, he thought, surely my father is coming to look for him. And he never knew that his father thought he was dead because of his brother's deceptions. I mean, it's an odd thought, but Joseph never knew that his father really loved him. And so eventually when his brothers and his father come to Egypt in search of food and he finds his father Jacob again, they're reunited once more. Joseph is presented with an interesting choice. I mean, up until this point, Pharaoh has given Jacob everything he could have ever dreamed of. In fact, everything Jacob did dream of. He was in a place where people would come down and bow to him like the stars that he dreamed of and the wheat that he dreamed of as a child. Pharaoh had given him everything he could have possibly wanted, but at a price at the price of living in Egypt, a land that treated life cheaply, a land where it was a toss of a coin if you were gonna end up like a baker who was gonna be executed or a wine servant who would be honored, where ultimately there was injustice and oppression for the vulnerable. In fact, Joseph even calls his son Ephraim, which means the person who was born in a land of an oppression. Or does he go back to his father? His father, who he hadn't seen in years, who he now had to trust was always looking for him, who was inviting him back into a land where God wanted to partner with him once more. A partnership that looked like that of Abraham, a partnership that looked like hospitality, a partnership that looked like looking out for the vulnerable, a partnership where life wasn't cheap, but in fact, there was something more, a partnership with a God in putting the world back together. He ultimately had a choice. Does he pick Pharaoh, who seemingly gave Joseph everything he ever dreamed about, but who requires Joseph to buy into a wrong worldview? Or does he pick his father, Jacob, who Joseph didn't realize was still hoping, who valued and wanted Joseph after all of this time, who invites Joseph into a better worldview? Ultimately, Joseph is presented with a question, a question that actually we are all asked that we are all presented for in different moments in our life. And the question's this, when you are given the opportunity to get what you want at the expense of what is right, what do you do? When you're offered the opportunity to get what you want at the expense of what is right, at the expense of what is good, at the expense of the storyline that God wants to invite you to of radical hospitality, of looking out for the vulnerable, where life isn't something that's cheap, what is it that you do? When you're presented with an opportunity to get higher up in a position or a role in a job at the expense of something that's right, what is it that you do? When you're offered the opportunity to get the quick fix and relief from that website, what is it that you do when you know that that can completely destroy you and your mind and your relationships? When you're presented with something that you want at the expense of what is right, what is it that you do? 
And so Joseph is presented with this option. Pharaoh, who lives in the land of abundance, who gives him everything that he ever wants, but the expense of an oppression. Or his father, Jacob, who wants him to go back to a land, who wants him to bring his people back to a land where things can ultimately reach to a point where God can partner with them in putting a broken world back together. And this is what Joseph decides to do. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He said, when God comes to help you and lead you back, you must take my bones with you. So Joseph died at the age of 110, good innings. Then the Egyptians embalmed him and his body was placed in a coffin, not in Canaan, not in the land of his fathers, but in Egypt. I wonder if Joseph just stayed in this land for a little bit too long. I wonder if Joseph did what so many of us do, where we think that we can stay in the wrong place with the right values and assume that everything's going to be okay. And for Joseph, he died in Egypt and he was buried in Egypt and that's where his descendants would stay. And it would lead to hundreds of years of slavery, that ultimately it would be hundreds of years before Moses would leave the, lead the nation of Israel out into the promised land that God always had for them. I mean, they could have been spared all of that if only they decided to leave when they could. What position, what situation are you in right now that you have the opportunity to get out of before it's too late? Because there's a principle that we can learn from Joseph's life and the principle is this. When you decide to embrace what you want at the expense of what is right, you will eventually become a slave to your desire. When you go for what you want and you right now sitting at home know exactly what this is for you. When you go for what you want at the expense of something, at the expense of a storyline that you know is good and right, you will eventually become a slave to it. You'll eventually lose that sense of freedom that you have. You'll eventually be waking up in the middle of the night wondering if you're found out. You'll find yourself in every opportunity looking over each shoulder. What is it that you're doing right now? Where is it that you find yourself that you need to escape from? Because Joseph asked for his bones to be buried. He asked for his ancestors to ultimately live in a land where they could partner with God in all of the things that God wanted for them but they, instead those people decided to stay in a place that was easy and cheap at the expense of what was right. Here is one thing that you can do in order to make this easier for yourself. You can make a decision ahead of time and this is how you can do it. Have a deliberate conversation with the per Have a deliberate conversation with the hardest person to speak to. What does that mean? Well, actually, in any given situation, and perhaps the situation that you can think for yourself right now that you're in, there is a person who it would be awkward to admit to the struggle and the wrestling match that you find yourself in, the, your, in your mind. The wrestling match that says, actually, you can get what you want, but it kind of means that you have to compromise on something that's right. Maybe someone in authority, maybe someone whose opinion you value. Actually, it's a conversation that admits it to that person that protects you later on when you really have to make the decision. It stops you from staying in Egypt for too long. 
Now for me, I'm lucky I have a group of amazing guys who I can speak to long in advance about my thoughts and my feelings and the times where I'm tempted to go for what's easy and cheap as a result of what's right. And I cannot tell you how many times it saved me from making a wrong decision. And it's allowed me to become someone who I can honestly say loves to partner with God in putting a broken world back together. It allows me and it can allow you to become the person we were always made to be. Who is it in your life that you need to have that conversation with? What friendship do you need to invest in in order that you can have those critical discipleship conversations? Because ultimately, we will find that when you go after what you want at the expense of what is right, you will become a slave to your desires rather than living in a freedom that you are always meant to have. Why is it that Joseph was a hero? Well, the book of Hebrews that was written thousands of years after his life ended tells us he was someone who knew ultimately which land he belonged in. He was someone who ultimately knew the partnership that God wanted him to have with him. And that partnership is available for you as well. You can become the hero you are always intended to be. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find a next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the fort. We're looking forward to you joining us next time. <laughs>